Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily Podcast with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we were joined in the studio by Peter Crouch, yeah, who has uh, moved into the boardroom at non-league level. He's being followed by the documentary cameras, uh, and we'll get to see that at the end of the season on Discovery+. Plus. But apart from telling us about uh, why he's doing it and he's linked to uh, the club Dulwich Hamlet, we uh, we talked a bit of football, didn't we? Yeah, I had my photo taken with him at the end. Not great for my self-esteem. Yeah, <laughs> yes, little and large. Uh, twins, they said. A new version of Twins has been <laughs> suggested. Uh, we also had Martin Kellner join us looking at a week of sport on TV. And uh, away from the sport, uh, Mike Ward gave us some non-sporting telly, if you, sh- if you so wish, should I say. So anyway, here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Maybe we should uh, yes, put everybody should, out of yeah. their misery. The shock news from Anfield is that we've just been watching Jurgen Klopp's pre-match press conference for the Norwich game tomorrow, and he's ditched the glasses. I this think is, it's just I an apre training thing. I don't think it's permanent. I, I mean, I don't know if they're broken, but or he's gone <laughs> lenses. Perhaps they got hit in the training this Maybe morning. Maybe they did, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was probably glasses wearer of the year. He must have been at least once, because it, his face is framed by his bins. They we've suit just, him. We've just seen a montage of him in, in the dugout, and... And he looks great in glasses. He's a mm. guy. If it is a vanity thing and he's decided to go lenses, can we make a plea on behalf? Well, I think hopefully everybody. Get your bins back on, Jürgen. Because they, they just... Some people's faces... Somebody shouts that to him in the crowd. Get your bins back on, Jürgen. bins back on, yeah. Because be some great. people's faces just don't look right without the, the glasses. You, for example, Andy, you took your glasses off mm. in our Clips of the Week meeting to much hilarity for uh, our producer and assistant producer. They'd never seen you without them. They thought... No. It's a, it's a somebody look. else had come in. <laughs> it is a strange. So um, ditching the bins. If you got some tales of that, uh, that maybe well, did people notice? And when yeah. they did, what did they That's say? Your glasses, not ditching <clears throat> your. Oh yeah, no, yeah, ditching all. your glasses. And so, okay, I'm sorry, I'm using the vernacular. But um, so, have you ever ditched the glasses? Maybe you did it in a way you didn't even have lenses, but you thought, no, I'm going to look cool. I'll take the glasses off. I don't. You walked into a lamppost. I mean, Jurgen couldn't have seen who, who was mm. because obviously these are still Zoom press conferences, aren't they? I take it, or are people now. Turning up? Oh, I don't know actually. I think because I mean, he wouldn't have recognised anybody in the in the uh, in the audience, would he? I in the auditorium. In the auditorium. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, uh, ditching the glasses uh, and the effects thereof. Talksport.com. Text eight ten eighty nine. Tweet T S H and J. I love this story about a British-based Qatari family who want uh, a football coach for their four-year-old. <laughs> 
kids. It's just no, it's ninety grand a year to basically coach these two four-year-olds. And uh, I love it if Jose Mourinho took the job. <laughs> like, the t- like he picked like, on one of the brothers. Yeah, he alienates one yeah, of the four-year-olds. <laughs> Within a couple of weeks, he decides he doesn't fancy him and tries to sell him to another family. That's right. Yeah, He'd brilliant, wouldn't it? Like a Luke Shaw. I did everything I could to get back onto his but Just one day he just turned against me and, and that was it. Well, 90 grand to, mm-hmm. uh, to coach two four-year-old Qatari kids. It's great, isn't it? Well, yeah. I'm sure they were, a lot of people would like that, that job. That is a nice gig, isn't it, really? I mean, it which is. Is, maybe it's something like John Beck. Maybe he went very old school on them. It'd be really good, wouldn't exactly. it? Lump it into the channels for your John brother Sitton. to run onto. Yeah, old, old John was a fine player, I think. He, yeah. Um, but I think he's, yeah. I think bring when, your schoolwork and bring your yeah, dinner. bring your school dinner. That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and, uh, <clears throat> yes, and uh, Sean Dyche has been talking about Nick Pope coming back from injury. Mm. And I love the way he refers to him. He says... Uh, he says, I don't think missing out hurt as much as he could. He's talking about the Euros. Popey could have taken a risk. I was thinking, Popey? I don't, is that what they call Francis in the Vatican? Yeah. Popey. Pope. Some age they call him Popes, don't they? Popes. I wasn't surprised by Popey. It's not. Popo. It's, no, Pope, that's a clown's name. It's not a goalkeeper. You can't call a goalkeeper Popo. Can you really? It's a name for a it's very Italian, small, I must name say. For a very small dog, an Italian puppet, uh, or, or a clown. Uh, other things to get going on apart from mm. when you ditch the glasses um, to humourable effect. Um, we're also interested in your club knowledge being put to the test. You may have seen um, this uh, American guy who's pumping £90 million into Crystal Palace, yeah. John Texter. I tried to contact him, but I didn't quite know how. But, John, yeah, John John Texter. But uh, he yeah. said, over the past six months, um, I've developed a real affinity uh, to uh, Crystal Palace. It's history, the staff and the supporters. It's a family thought, known as Telegram in the old days. <laughs> they probably were, <laughs> Telex, the Telex family. <laughs> but um, it, it, it struck me that maybe if you want to buy a football club, if you're yeah. pass, part of the fit and proper person's test, or whatever they call it these yeah. days, is a bit like the um, citizenship test when you do when you come to a country. You have sure. to know the, the words, the national anthem. Yeah, good so idea. So you know, he'd need to know about sort of Dave Swindlehurst and Jim Cannon and Don <laughs> Rogers. And he'd have to know all the words to glad all over. That's true. Imagine he's standing there with his hand on his heart saying, you say that you love me all of the time. <laughs> Brackets, all of the time. <laughs> and I'm feeling... It'd be great, wouldn't Mops, it? And you have to it? sing it. Everybody who wants to <laughs> put money into Crystal Palace has to sing. So we're interested in your club uh, knowledge being put to the test. Um, did anybody ever put you on the spot like that? Did you make a bit of a burke yourself? Or when you've seen it, mm. it's often people you know, purport to be fans of the club and then get it horribly wrong. So if you've got some examples of people uh, not really knowing their history, as the song goes, talksport.com forward slash H&J or text to 810 89 or TSHNJ, TSHANDJ on Twitter. I don't know if you saw any of the uh, Super Cup final. Uh, I saw the highlights. Misnamed. I, I saw the. I saw the highlights. Oh, we talked a bit. We it was talk, a long evening. We talked to Ben Foster about you know swapping out keepers for penalty yeah. shit, but it's worked for Chelsea. Isn't well, it? it worked that time, yeah. But uh, my overriding observation of the game is it's hard to see how Lukaku won't score goals in this team. Yeah, honestly, Chelsea. It, it was the same as last season. They just created. They scored a good goal. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, created yeah. a lot, but they just didn't score. And then in the end, of course. 
they were bound to equalise, which yeah. they did. And uh, but the thing is, I mean, Emery, he, he is a dull coach, isn't he? I mean, the way they set up, they would even in extra time, they weren't trying to win it. They were just playing for penalties because they've done well in penalties all the time. Did he ruin your evening? <laughs> evening, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> a great, it wasn't a great evening. He, he said they actually evening. won it, but it didn't really matter in the end. And uh, well done, England, a tremendous. Uh, the, Joe Root and the coaching staff, they really got that weather forecast right from there. That great pitch I judgment. I think there's a bit of revisionism there, Andy. I mean, yesterday... No, no at, revisionism. No, out not. yesterday at 11 o'clock, thinking... Trevor Bailey. Well, I said it this morning. I did. Yeah. I was just... I was, I was out for a run. I was watching, looking at the weather and going, this weather's changing. What, what on earth are you doing? It's going to be nice. And, of course, it was. And a half past really ten, though. It was very low cloud. It was yeah, drizzling. Brilliant. Well, yes. that worked out well, didn't it? <laughs> well, John Norman's going to join Good us. Good for Simo, though, our old mate John Simpson. Yeah, wasn't that brilliant in the 100 last night? Oh. The Middlesex wicketkeeper, is, uh, mm. he's, was it? he's playing for the Northern Superchargers, was right. it? Or am I making that up? Finn, you see, because he's used to bowling, you know, receiving Steve Finn, you know, as a keeper. And yeah. Watch him play and everything. He obviously knew what was coming. He hit five balls for 29 runs. I know. When he, when he gets his eye on, he's a great batsman. They uh, they broke the 200 mm. barrier. It was the first time, wasn't it? The team had done it in the 100. I really Which, enjoyed that. Look, I mean, it, it's not been great for the preparation mm. for the test, but that aside, the cricket has been great, hasn't it? It's yeah. been very enjoyable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very enjoyable. So anyway, we will go across to John Norman uh, very shortly. At lunch on day two, 346 for seven. As John said, it was England's morning. They took a flurry of wickets. Now I suppose it's key to... Not let the tail wag too much. And, well, uh, if they get them out, anything close to 350 will be, you know, if it, once it gets to 400, then, yeah. you know, with our batting, I mean, 200 would be a problem, but 400 would be insurmountable. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If well, we it's basically root. If he doesn't make 100, England don't yeah. make 250. That's it. Well, talk to John. I mean, they weren't easy batting conditions yesterday, but they've got very good batsmen. Um, we'll talk to John about that. What would have happened if England had uh, decided to have a bat? Um, Jurgen Klopp has been glassless all pre-season. They're gone. Mike, this is the first time I've spotted him pre-season. Really? He's wow. obviously gone lenses, Mike. And I, I'm not... I, I don't know. I just think his, his face is beautifully framed. He's a good glasses A wearer. lot of people who wear glasses all the time say it's beautiful to wear contact lenses. You don't get this thing that you've always got something around your eyes. You know, I've never worn contacts. So I wouldn't know. I've got oh. the wrong shaped eyes. Klopp's best mate, uh, Davis Wagner, is also a well-known glasses Davis wearer. Davis Wagner. Davis Wagner, it says here. David Wagner. Oh, David Wagner. Who's Davis, Davis Wagner? Well, I, exactly, I thought... Davis Wagner III. <laughs> I, I He's the guy that just bought pallets. I was reading what was on the screen. David, David Wagner, of yeah. course, the former manager in this country. Well-known glasses wearer. Um, he did all of his pre-season photos without them too. Maybe it's a big sort of German. Maybe it, the, the Germans have gone very anti-glasses. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Huddersfield tells us that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Peter Crouch is going to be telling us about a new documentary series he's making for uh, Discovery where he's uh, in the boardroom after many years of playing. And let's remind you of uh, some of his playing highlights. Crouchy! Here's Crouch, edge of the penalty here, tries an acrobat. Oh my God! not see a better goal. It's amazing from Peter Crouch. Peter Crouch who scores the 100th Premier League goal of his career and it's a tap-in from just outside the six-yard box. Peter Crouch could not miss. It's aimed in towards Peter Crouch. Gets a header in on the ball and he angles it past Wayne Hennessy into the corner of the net. Missed by everyone but put into the net. Peter Crouch is going to claim it. Crouch! Peter Crouch! Stop you 
Chelsea's winning run because he's just tapped home from close range. Peter Crouch with a trademark towering header at the far post. Towards Crouch, Crouch with a header, knocks the ball beyond David De Gea and Stoke have an equaliser and a new goal scoring hero. The one against City that got us in the uh, Champions League. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't remember the one against Chelsea. Who was that? It's a winning run. <laughs> uh, we did like Peter's with his high Peter. How, How are, you? are you? Yeah, good. good to do see you know what? You. I'm going to come in more often. I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> not, not a bad career, really. Uh, yeah, old Stan. Uh, over the, after the overhead kick, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you got excited with that one. I think, <laughs> I think it was the one Stoke against Man City. That was. Oh, was it? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I remember it well. Oh, of course it. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. I can, t- I can see it in my mind's eye now. Yeah, you did score. So, I mean, there was there was a couple of tap-ins in there. Everybody striker should get those, but you did get a few spectacular ones. Yeah, yeah. it's a few. Yeah, like it's been a while since I've relived it. Really, I've tried to bore my kids to tears, and they walk out <laughs> probably on the second goal of the hundred. <laughs> but, but yeah, I like to relive it. It's nice. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a bit of chap, um, Premier League a little bit later on, get your thoughts on that. But we'll, we'll talk a bit about the documentary. It's interesting, this. Um, so you're, you're, you're in the ballroom at a club that you were involved with as a Tottenham player. You spent a bit of time at Dulwich Hamlet, didn't you? Yeah, I was. I was, I was at Spurs as a, as a scholar. I was YTS at the time. And then, um, yeah, I remember they signed Dane McEwen from, from Dulwich Hamlet and they had to send a, a player in the, in the other direction. I'll be honest with you. I can't say I wanted to go to Dulwich Hamlet from Tottenham, but <laughs> well. I was sent there by David Pleat. And you know what? It was the best thing that I ever did. It was, mm. it, you know, what it taught me. It taught me about real football. You know, I was wearing Tottenham's kit, but I was playing in youth team matches, thinking they were big games. Yeah. And, and, and and a big game is when you go down there and you know people are playing for their for their livelihoods and their, you know futures and you know for their jobs and for their families. And you know, it was it was a real eye opener for me. And um, I have to say it really helped me no end when I went back and, you know, I knew what I wanted to do from then on was to, to try and kick on as much as I could. Yeah. It's quite a historic club though, isn't it, in terms of amateur cup finals and Yeah, sort of it's, got 50s, it's got quite yeah, a history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's over over a hundred years, you know. It's yeah. uh, it's a it's a proper club. And I think with the with the climate obviously the, the with the with the pandemic and stuff, I mean it's not just Dulwich's been effective, it's all grassroots, non league mm. football's been Almost decimated, really. I mean, Dulwich got fined for not being able to 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 finish their league season, not be able to play the games because the only source of revenue is really the the games on a Saturday, mm. uh, which I'm obviously getting to to know in the role that I'm in at the moment. Um, but yeah, listen, I can help in in any way, really, off the field and on the field uh, to just one particular club that's in a bit of trouble. Then 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 it'd be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you talked about going there as a player was an eye opener all those years ago. What, what's it been like? Mm. I mean, have you, have you got a bit more sympathy from some of those chairmen you've probably gave hard time to over the years? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> listen. I, this side of it is totally new to me. Totally, alien. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I'm a, I know what I'm doing because I don't. I've learned <laughs> some valuable lessons this week, being in, in in the boardroom and understanding, you know, what they're going through. I mean, Ben and Tom, who are you know the chairman and the directors, are fans mm. who have basically just been thrust into running a football club. Um, and listen, they're really passionate about what they do, but it's it's so hard for them to sort of keep it, everything going and afloat, and they're relying so much on people coming to games on a Saturday um, because during the week there's no other real revenue for them. So uh, it's all about supporting your local club at the moment, and that's obviously why I'm here is getting the word out, trying to get people to, to games if they're local and enjoy football. Yeah. You were telling us you were at training last night. I mean, you're there in a sort of directorial role, but... Uh, 
Do you get any contact with the players and strikers and things like yeah, that? Yeah, that's it. Well, I know I know Gav, the manager, he, he wasn't there last night, but Kaz, who's, who's the assistant, and um, I was chatting to the to the players, and some of them uh, have been at pro clubs, and for various reasons, there's different stories to why they're playing non-league football, but there's some good players, very good players. It was a, it was a good standard. It was, you know, professionally done. And listen, I obviously been around sort of like the Premier League and the, the Championship mainly in my career, but to go back down to that level, you realise the standard of player there is now, like... Mm. Good standard of football. The training was very good. I was involved with a lot of the, the you know, the coaching side of it. I, you know, I don't want to tread on anyone's toes. So I was stand, <laughs> sitting on the bench, which I was very used to doing for the last few years <laughs> of my career. So I was quite comfortable there um, and just observing. But it's it's going to be yeah. a great, great year for me because I, I've been associated with so many clubs over the course of my career that going in this season and being associated with one, Dalich Hamlet and, and, mm. and, you know, and... Being involved in it, I'm I'm excited about it. I take it at the top level, you're kind of fairly distanced from the sort of stuff that goes on at boardroom mm. level, and you don't have a great deal to do with it, or have a great you don't particularly care about it until you meet, you know, people and they sort out your new contract. But mm. I suppose it's different at a club like Dulwich Hamlet. The players are a little bit more aware of the realities of of the situation at that level. Yeah, well, everyone, everyone's so close to it because, like as I say, the uh, the chairman was a was a fan, and he's you know, he's trying to run his own business. I mean, last night I was with a couple of the players, and one of the players had to leave training early because he's got to go and work on the on the railway um and do a night shift yeah and it's like it's, it's little things like that are so you know different to to obviously premier league level and then obviously with the boardroom level it affects absolutely everything because if there's if they don't get two thousand people on a saturday you know it's going to influence uh whether or not they can get any more balls or any more kit or yeah. you know things like that. so many mm. Everything is so close knit and and obviously a lot smaller than than what I've been used to. But it's something that's so exciting and you know hopefully that I can I can try and help. Mm. You're saying of course if they get promoted, then that brings its own promote uh, problems rather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what blew my mind because be, I think if you're involved in it all, you you you, you understand. But I've, I've I've been removed from it for for a while, and then going back in there today, I think promotion. Builds its own problems. So obviously we're all geared up to to try and get promoted, and you know the players. That's what they want to do. But then it brings its own problems. You can't sell alcohol during the match, mm. um, which is a huge source of revenue for the club. Yeah. Um, you can't. You're, you're going to need a three G pitch, uh, which is obviously the, it's grass at the moment. You'd have to tear that up and, and use it. And there's there's lots of basically factors that are, it might potentially cost money to get promoted. And yeah. That, and that to me blew my mind because being you know, a sportsman or and being a footballer, it's all about geared up for winning and getting the club success. And then you think, well, there's there's also seems to be more hurdles mm. if you do get promoted. Yeah, I mean, so, ground yeah. improvements and stuff you have to yeah. do. And you say money, you have to earmark because if you do get promoted, you're going to have to spend that yeah. on the stadium, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. What was your relationship like with directors and uh, and 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 the sort of uh, people in charge at different clubs? Did you have many run-ins mm. with them? What was or not yeah well do you know what there's lo- lo- like some amazing characters I've met over the years uh, from Milan Mandaric at Portsmouth mm. who'd, who, who tried to not play as one pay as one month because um, we hadn't won in that month and I saw <laughs> yes. I sort of saw his um, you know his, his reasonings I thought you know you haven't done your job so why should I pay you and I thought well yeah like, I was 19 yeah. and 
uh, I didn't have many, you know, bills to pay, and I, I was getting more than enough money anyway. So I thought I had a point. There was, there was some people, you know, who had families and um, weren't too pleased with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't do that. But it went to the FA and uh, various, you know, everyone got paid in the end. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, there was lots of different. I, I, I had different dealings with the Coates family at Stoke, for instance, who were fantastic with me, and mm. you know, who are local people. In, a, in a, at that time, it was a Premier League world of billionaire owners you know of course they're really very well off but mm. they're local support stoke and it was quite refreshing it was lovely you know um and you know daniel levy who's obviously at tottenham it was he was great with me at, at the start and difficult to deal with at the end yeah um <laughs> you know as uh, is it true what everybody says in terms of negotiating when you, you know when you're when you're at a club and uh, and your agent goes in there and he reports back after his meeting with daniel levy does he <laughs> does he look a bit shell-shocked <laughs> yeah i'd say so you know what if i owned a football mm. club and daniel I, i'd like daniel levy to run it for me mm. um he does it very well uh, you know he's got the best interests of the of the club at heart it can be difficult if you're a player yeah. at times <laughs> and you don't particularly get what you want because that's, you know, he's got the best interest of the club at, at heart. So, yeah. I, listen, he I, has, I agree but doesn't it work against Tottenham this, you know, over the years? Has it has it benefited Tottenham? I know he has the best. Mm. Of course he does. We saw that in the Amazon documentary. But I think sometimes it, it does and sometimes mm. it doesn't. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, listen, what, what, what I'm trying to say is that um, I, I could have bad feeling against him because... I always felt I gave everything at Tottenham and um, had a good you know, few years. We got into the Champions League. We played some great football. And then, obviously, I was told, um, get out, basically. <laughs> we signed out of Bayor and um, told him no in certain terms. So I could have a lot of bad, bad feeling and say, well, you know, I was angry about that or what have you but but I have no bad feeling whatsoever against him. You know, yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, he was, he was acting in, in the best interests of the club quite harshly. Yeah. But, I have no problem with it. Well, you, you might now be part of some pretty difficult decision-making processes as this mm. documentary goes on and this job goes on. You know, you're going to be faced, you mm. and the board and, and the people in charge at Dulwich Hamlet are going to have to make some tough calls. So, won't make you necessarily popular with some of the players. No, exactly right. I think in, when you're at that level, you have to sometimes you have to make uh, decisions of the best interest of the club and, and not for, for, for personal. You know, I'm going to find that difficult as well because I'm mm. a football man and you know, it will be difficult to, to, to be involved in that. But, you know, we're going in there and listen, you say documentary and stuff and yeah there are cameras following us and, but I, I wanted I had to make sure and I spoke to the manager I didn't want to tread anyone's toes I didn't want anyone to think we were you know a circus what have yeah. you, you know I, I, what I want to do is when we go in there I want the the, the end result um, to be you know Dulwich Hamlet in a better place than when we arrive so mm. that's the, 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 the ultimate goal and uh, the moment it becomes uh, you know, uh, something that I don't want it to be, then, then then I'm out. But I think we can really do some good. Excellent. What uh, about the final? What about the matches? Uh, you, they're playing Chippenham Town tomorrow. Big one. Mm, you first one, Yeah, first yeah. One I'm there tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm really excited about actually. You know, it's a, it's a full house. Uh, you know, it's not going to be seventy thousand, but you know, we're hoping to get two thousand people in there. And in, in that stadium, they make a racket. I watched the. Um, the lads train last night. I think there's a good standard of player and 
people are quietly confident that we can we can have a good season. Yeah. And you attempted to pull the boots on again watching training. <laughs> no, you thought, no, you're, you're not going to register as a player. <laughs> I had itchy feet last night <laughs> um, yeah, at yeah. training. I don't think no. Listen, no one no one wants to see a washed up old striker pulling his boots on. But um, <laughs> I well, last night at training, I was I did I will bring my boots next time. Put yeah, it really. <laughs> last ten minutes though. Last ten minutes yeah. needing a goal. Never know. Just stick you up front. I, I got mean. an extra five years out of the last ten. <laughs> <didn't I? laughs> <laughs> Peter Crouch is with us. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. You're a director now at uh, Dulwich Hamlet, and you're going to be followed by the uh, cameras, Peter, for the season. I suppose at the end of the whole process, we'll get to see the documentary when w- mm. when we've had this. What at the end of the season? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, listen, I, I, um, I wanted to help. I wanted to, you know, try and try and try and do something down there um, and the camera's going to follow us there's going to be some bumps because listen I haven't got a clue what I'm doing I'll be honest with you <laughs> I know football wise what's going on uh, I can help that way um, but yeah boardroom stuff budgets pieces like that I've been involved in recently it's been uh, certainly been live yeah. now so let's have a look at some of your your former clubs and how you think they might do uh, this season. Maybe we'll kick off with Liverpool. And apart from the fact that Jurgen Klinsmann's had laser eye surgery and ditched no, the glasses, Jürgen Klopp. Oh, Jurgen, what did I say? Jurgen Klinsmann. Klinsmann. I've gone mad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klopp has. That was the biggest shot without his bins on. He just doesn't. No look, glasses. Doesn't look the same. I haven't seen that. Yeah, he's, no, he's, he's ditched had, he's the glasses. The it's That's the outrageous. Only look. Um, and uh, we were talking to Alan Stubbs earlier on about easing. Uh, Van Dyke back in, which I think he's likely mm. to do, and Gomez. But what sort of season do you think they're going to have? No, they'll be stronger. I think um, you know they've strengthened defensively, and having Van Dyke back, it's a hundred billion pound sign. If he's if he's uh, if he's as fit as he was, you know, beforehand, which uh, which he looks. Um, yeah, no, I think they'll be. I think they'll be much stronger. I think City might be just too strong. Mm. Uh, Chelsea look a lot stronger. United as well, but um, but I think Liverpool will have a good season. 
Yeah, I mean, they finished third last year, Liverpool, with all the problems and all the injuries and that terrible yeah, that little run, run at the end of the they, season that they had when, when they couldn't win at home for six or seven games and they still finished third. Yeah, exactly so, right. So it'd be mad to write them off with Van Dyke back, I think. Yeah, it'd be absolutely mad. If you think about it, it's two, you know, kids playing centre-half. They had to rip Fabinho out the mid, out the midfield. Henderson's bad injuries. The goalkeeper at times, you know, there was... there was. Listen, I'm not making excuses. I think they were below par as well. Hmm. Um but there was a lot of injuries there, and uh, and listen, if they get back everyone back to full strength, they'll be competing with Man City. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, dealing with Daniel Levy in our first part of the chat, and uh, Harry Kane's in that situation mm. now, of course. So it's going to be once the City game is out of the way, there just seems to be this head of steam today that people will think there'll be some movement uh, next week. Uh, what, what do you make of his situation? Um, well, I think it's obvious that he's you know he, he wants to leave. I think he, you know he's talking about a gentleman's agreement perhaps and. Uh, and now that might, might the goalpost might have been moved a touch. He, um, you know, he's a top player and has been. He's given Tottenham so much great service that I don't think there's too many fans that begrudge him moving to a club where he will win trophies. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was rumours about him missing training and stuff like that. We don't know the ins and outs of that. No one wants to see that. But. Um, you know, if the season starts and he's still a Tottenham player, I still think he's going to give absolutely everything for that club because it means a lot to him. Would you be surprised if he's still there? Um, I would be, yeah. I think there's been, you know, big murmurs. It's going to go right to the wire because I think the, the, the chairman at Tottenham will try and squeeze as much money out as possible. But um, I wouldn't bet against it not happening. Yeah. I think you'll be able to tell if Spurs buy a replacement before they sell him. Well, that's often a telltale <laughs> yeah. sign. That's isn't what happened it? Villa. Yeah, is it true? true? Is it true that as a young boy you were a Chelsea fan? Or was that a little rush? Oh well, I'm Peter after Peter Osgood, believe it or oh, not. Right. Uh, okay. My dad was a massive Chelsea fan in the seventies. I was a ball boy down there, um, but I started at QPR and I started getting tickets. My pals are QPR fans, and I was uh, I paid five quid to get in the lower paddock and watch Les Ferdinand, Trevor Sinclair. You know some top players down at, down at Rangers. So, uh, but I was a Chelsea fan, and then uh, it's difficult when you go back as um, as a Liverpool player or as a Tottenham player, whoever I went back with. I you sort of, think you they sort were of fall out of love. You? Yeah, you fall out they of love were. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't say that I've got a huge affection for Chelsea yeah. anymore, especially after those Liverpool, um, you know, Chelsea semi-finals in the Champions League, mm. and you know the FA Cup semi-final. Things like that. I just got I just got so much abuse that I thought, you know what, I'll yeah. take them down to QPR. Oh, no. Yeah, that was. <laughs> they, were, they, they were very mean to you. I used to, think I used to be embarrassed. Do you want to apologise now? And you know, uh, well, all Chelsea know, fans. I won't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talk about gentleman's agreement. Were you ever in that situation, Peter? Did you ever? Do you ever get a sort of chat with the chairman? You thought, well, that's all done and dusted for next year, and then suddenly the goalposts were moved, or, um, or not? I, I had. Uh, I always remember. I remember one situation at, at, at Southampton. Um, where we'd, we'd, we'd unfortunately just been relegated and, and Liverpool had won the Champions League in Istanbul. I mm. watched it on telly. And uh, I was told that Liverpool wanted me, right? So we'd just been relegated. Liverpool had just watched the Istanbul final. You know, they're the champions of Europe. And Harry Redknapp said to Harry, I said, look, Liverpool coming for me. I think like, I'd like to go. And he said, God, yeah, like totally understand it. Jamie was there, best club in the world, like incredible fans. Um, you know, you'll go there, you'll win things. That's, you know, amazing. So I spoke to Rupert Lowe, so that one's gone fine. Spoke to Rupert Lowe, gave him a call, and he was, uh, well, I don't want you to go, I want you to stay, get us back up. And I said, well, okay. So I rang uh, Harry back, and he, I said, well, Harry, sorry, I said to Rupert Lowe, Harry said that it was fine, you know, he said that he'd support the decision, he said, that's not what he said to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
so then I rang Harry back and he said, uh, I said, you told me it was the best club in the world and I should go and I should do it. And he said, yeah, yeah, but I still, I don't want you to go, do I? <laughs> <laughs> so he told Rupert Lowe that, uh, you know, not to sell me. Um, but he understood that uh, in the end I had to go down. I think his house was in the Cotswolds. He wasn't answering my calls, Rupert Lowe. Um, I had to drive down there and to his house and he was sitting in his Throwing garden. the door job, was he? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't kicking the door down but he didn't answer the door so I walked round and he was reading the paper with a cup of tea in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't expecting and that. And you got one. your move. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? It was, it was, how many chances do you get to play for the European champions yeah. that, you know, who had just yeah. been and, yeah, it would, listen, it was, there were times in, that, in those early days when I didn't score for ages yeah. that I thought I'd rather have been at Southampton. But, um, you know, once it turned around for me, it was such an amazing club to be at. Uh, you this, know, they always say it's not great to keep an unhappy player. Is, is that true? Well, it depends how good the unhappy player is. Mm. Um, and I, I, Listen, I still think Harry Kane's going to go and get you 25 goals if, you, if you're talking about him. Um, I, I think there are there are times where players have have kicked up and, and produced amazing things. Coutinho, I don't know if you remember when he when Barcelona mm. was his dream move. It was obviously he wanted to go there, and then he he produced some amazing stuff for 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 uh, Liverpool. And then same Wilfred Zaha's had a few few times. He, he's been threatening to move, and it's not happened. And he's produced for Palace. So yeah, I, I, I do think that an unhappy player, if he's good enough, will, you know, mm. is, is fine. Quick on Villa because Andy mentioned clubs who spent money knowing a player was going to go, and Villa did that. But they they've bought well, haven't they? I think they 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 should do pretty well. I mean, you know, maybe they can cushion the blow of losing Jack Greenish. No, I I think they've bought really well. Um, I think Danny Ings is such a good player. I think, I think mm. Southampton's sort of lost there is 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 Aston Villa's gain. Mm. I think he can take them to the next level. I really do. I was speaking to the boys at, at Liverpool when he was there. Obviously, he suffered badly with injuries, but they loved. I mean, he'd still be there now. Um, Without doubt, I think, he's I, think, I think he's a real class act. Great player, good lad, good to have around the dressing room. Everyone gets on with him. Um, so yeah, I think they've, I think they've bought well, and I think they can kick on to the to the next level. I think yeah. no, no danger of any relegation stuff. I think top half and kicking off on, onto Europe. Southampton, I think it's going to be tough though for them. This yeah, season. I mean a few people tipping them do. and go down. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, Southampton. Um, I think it's, it's you know it's the same like with, with with Palace as well. I think like it's just a lot of changes, you know, a lot of of big changes, and it'd be interesting to see how how they how they go. Yeah, but just getting reports that Harry Kane's been spotted skating Daniel Levy's electrified fence <laughs> on his estate. It's just uh, he's, he's listening. He thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. See if I can get around the back garden. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, just going back to the, where we started on on uh, Dulwich, and uh, I suppose when you're playing at the top level, you don't really give a great deal of thought to grassroots and it's mm. important in the whole scheme of football but it is isn't it I mean you're seeing mm. it now and because you played there all those years ago you know it, it is very important the structure the pyramid mm. in football in this country is, is something to be to be looked after well, I think it is you know there's plenty of people that it's their, it's their life and I think certainly with, with what's gone on in the Premier League and you know with the, the Super League and things like that like it just it just annoyed a lot of people didn't mm. it and I think if you're if you're Interested? Maybe your team's playing away. You know, if you're interested in going to, to 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 support your local club, I think it's important. And you know, it's football. At the end of the day, you go down there and watch it. It's a good atmosphere. Obviously, I'm going to sit here and shout from the rooftops about Dulwich and going down there this Saturday and mm. and watching a team play. But it's a good atmosphere, and I'm you know I'm, I'll be down there and I'll be looking forward to it. Well, let's hope yeah the pandemic has just focused people's minds and they'll sort of cherish their local football clubs because you know there's a possibility they they might not be there if they don't. So exactly right. Cool. I mean, my you know. One of my one of my pals was a Berry fan, and uh, mm. you know they, 
Barry doesn't exist anymore. Sure. And he's like, what, what, what do I do now? I mean, it's easy for him to go and support Man City or Man United, but he's a Barry fan. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what, it's not what we want to see, is yeah. it? Might get chip, chipping them at it, though. Here yeah, that's right. They've, they've fired them up. Crouchy <laughs> might come on for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> um, so, look, lovely to see you. Um, best of luck at uh, Dulwich. Hope it all mm. works out. And we look forward to seeing yeah, uh, the documentary when, uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, so. thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Martin Kellner's Week of Sport on TV. Good afternoon, Martin. A very good afternoon to you, boys. Um, just to mention, I was listening yesterday afternoon. I was in the car, mm. and uh, I caught your birthday spread. I don't often catch it. <laughs> yes. um, and I've had to change a couple of my names now. Uh, a late stage, uh, Audrey Tattoo, yeah. um, who you were hideously out with. You yeah. know, she was a star of Amity, very famous people who yeah. like French films. Yeah. Only 45. You said she was like 89. No, I think Max went 80-odd. Yeah. I went, yeah, did he? I went yeah. about... I went about I, I think she was... Yeah, I went about 10 out, but... Max said she was in her 80s. Yeah, was, but, you know, well, you were only listening well, for my marvellous jokes. Yeah, my marvellous yeah. jokes. Oh, did you have to pull the car over in case you crashed because of the tears in your eyes? <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah. No, magnificent race, racing from Weatherby, marvellous. That was a good one, wasn't um, it? Yeah. 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 Who's got a private bank? I still maintain that. Emily, have you got a private bank, Martin, you haven't told us about? Not personally. I've no. got a little piggy bank that I occasionally uh, put put the change in from when I've uh, been out to buy sweets and things. <laughs> but that's all. That's, yeah. I would I would never describe myself as a private banker. No. Although some people <laughs> right. might. No, some uh, some people know, might in, in, in areas yeah, of East London. So absolutely. Um, the, uh, yes. Lionel, it was hard to turn on a TV sports wise and not see Lionel Messi uh, this week. No, it took I, him well, so I, long I, to get over it, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, pathetic. <laughs> it was quite the comeback emotionally, wasn't it, for him? <laughs> It was marvellous, wasn't it? It's like a, a seesaw thing. No, I well, I watched it on, on all the news channels because obviously they, they were all covering mm. the uh, the press conference live. You know, the, from uh, PSG, the president of PSG, and then there was uh, there was little Messi there. Uh, and I flipped between the channels because I wanted to see if I mean, obviously they all have the same pictures, but I wanted to see if there was anybody with a different take on it. So I watched a bit of it on, on uh, Al Jazeera, oh, um, which I. I mainly only watch that for their version of Top of the Pops, no. rather than usual sort of uh, percussion instruments in that. But, um, but I was flipping between the BBC and Sky uh, mainly, and uh, the BBC sort of dipped out of it probably quite wisely before the uh, before the, uh, the the press conference, you mm. know. So they just uh, did the unveiling, which, as we mentioned before, they should actually have a you know a little piece of cloth and unveil him by you know. Yeah, they should do like wear like he's a sculptor, just sort of whip off a big. Yeah. White cloth, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Precisely. So they all saw the unveiling. The interesting thing is when we got to the uh, the questions, which are largely from the the French press, which was all you know sort of exulting in the arrival of Messi and saying what would it mean for uh, French football, what mm. will it mean for the commercial possibilities and all that. Um, it wasn't until you got to the BBC asking a question when you got a sort of interesting sort of news question, which was you know what does this mean as far as financial fair play goes? You know what are the uh, which to me was uh, was an interesting question more interesting than um uh, you know the moment i arrived here said messi i felt very happy i'm going to be playing with the best players in the world it's very nice yeah which wasn't a great news line no uh, not really that. Um, yeah, but the Beeb um, did ask that question, which the um, which the president of uh, PSG sort of brushed to one side mm. and just said, uh, "Why are you being so negative?" And my <laughs> it's point is, isn't it? you know, <laughs> yeah, this is a celebration. Is it, yeah, it's yes, for you, precisely. Yeah, yeah. precisely, precisely. Okay, why are you being so, so you negative? Know, uh, yeah. 
Well, there you go. Um, but we'll see, won't we? And it's all very yeah. exciting. I mean, it's very. This is an exciting time of the year. Extremely mm. exciting time of the year. You must be optimistic. Um, is a West, yeah, Ham West Ham fan. What a season! I'm optimistic. We've, yeah. we've got a, a backup goalie, which actually a sort of key signing for for West Ham because you know we've struggled when Fabianski's not mm. uh, not been there. So that is exciting. And you know, everybody's got a certain amount. Of, so we may be able to keep um, keep Jesse Lingard. That, that could happen as well. Um, so, like I said, everybody's filling in their fantasy league team at uh, at the moment. And uh, do you do that, Martin? All... You do fantasy league? I do. I yeah. do fantasy uh, league with the family. You know, if right. I was useless last year. <laughs> um, I, I'm also on a um, uh, on a in a prediction league as well. You oh, know, right. rather like your own. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, so that's all very exciting. Also, I think the the early early days of the Carabao Cup uh, hmm. exciting as well. The I watched both matches this week. Um, there may have been even more, but I watched uh, Derby against Salford, mm-hmm. which uh, obviously key very rarely happens uh, when you get the owner of one club uh, interviewing the manager of the other club. So that yeah. was uh, yes. a bit of a coup yeah. on uh, Sky, um, yeah, which was great. Uh, I also didn't know that um, Bob Dylan had licensed his music for adverts. There's a, a Budweiser advert going around oh. with uh, the times they are a changing on them. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because the Beatles have never, uh, or whoever's owned the Beatles music yeah. over the years, never licensed the Beatles' music. Bob's not know, sold. Too... Bob not. Bob's not mm. sold the catalogue, is he? He's, he's not one of those that has. I, I, I'm... I think he has. Oh, I well, think he has case, sold maybe, the catalogue, and whoever owns, he, yeah, whoever he owns it now. It's, it's they, lady, lady, that's one of the adverts. That's, yeah, that's that's that true. Out. A nice uh, advert for dreams, lay lady. It's going to be littered with Bob Dylan songs, isn't it? Really? Well, it it probably is if they've sold them. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I did notice in the. Derby Salford match, uh, whether you know we've said over the years, uh, you know they apologise mm. if you've ever heard, if you've heard any language that might upset oh, yes. you, yeah. um, uh, which has always been a bit pointless. Uh, but they didn't apologise, and it was very clear the um, Derby might be the Salford people, but one of the uh, two sets of fans mm. were singing uh, the referees. Uh, you know, yeah, what they saying. effective at this stage of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he didn't apologise, because right. I was sitting there waiting for the apology. They, they tend to apologise, you'll hear, mm. if you pick up something on a, a pitch-side mic that a player says... Stump that, cam or something. They, they'll yeah. apologise for that, yeah. but if it's the old crowd singing stuff, they try and mute it. Have you noticed that occasionally? Yeah. They sort of they they, bring it down in the mix. Yeah, go yeah. Well, that's no, quite hard. Yeah. Last year with no fans, it was bad. I mean, you could just hear everything. Yeah. So, well, know, among yeah. the players, yeah, amongst you the mean players. not yeah, when yeah, they, the coaches, yeah. yeah, there should have been a sort of quite a sort of sweary. I crowd suppose there are people who it. are offended by it. I, I don't know any, yeah. but I suppose yeah. there must be. No, yeah, well, David yeah. Moyes uh, during that period when there was no crowds. I mean, David <laughs> Moyes memorably foul-mouthed, uh, <laughs> and I, I got new respect, new respect really? for. Uh, Moisey, yeah, was it? he was uh, excellent. Often brings it alive um, in a Scottish accent, doesn't it? Uh, oh, I it find does. it's a poetry it to it. But we, maybe we shouldn't dwell on it's, that. Um, it's the lingua franca, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> now you well, told us uh, last. Uh, yeah, sorry, Martin, carry on. No, I was only going to say I was very impressed with uh, with Wayne Rooney. Mm. I have to say, I mean, you see, given everything that's going on at Derby, both in the interview with uh, Gary Neville beforehand, and also in his attitude after Derby had won, you know, with the winning penalty, um, I thought he was great going around applauding the crowd and everything. And I, I think we often sort of undervalue uh, Rooney, you know, given his record. Mm. That you know, all people sort of, sort of tend to stress. Or he sort of gets a bit of negative coverage on uh, social. 
social media and all that. Um, but I was I was impressed with him. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, look, you know, it's it's he's it's difficult for him at Derby yeah, at the moment. Job, and yeah. let's be honest, he doesn't need the money. Um, but he's no, he's precisely. he's going to stick it out and yeah. do his best yeah. for the club. And they, you know, it looks like it's not going too badly. But anyway, um, you did tell yeah. us last week about this um, Arnie documentary yes. you'd seen. We never got around to talking about it. So we've got a couple of minutes now, so maybe you could tell us about it. I will. It's a 30 for 30 short, so it's on BT Sport. It's right yeah. out there. Um, he, it's basically, you know, he was brought up uh, very traditionally in this uh, small Austrian village. Uh, his dad, he said, was convinced and wanted him to marry a Heidi or a Greta right. with braids. Very right. important. So hmm. want, his dad wanted him to marry one of the, you know, to have a very traditional, very uh, bourgeois, hmm. if you like, hmm. uh, upbringing. Um, it was a bourgeois marriage and all that <coughs> to a very traditional so Heidi or Gretel although um, I have to say if you've ever watched any of that German um, German sort of adult movies right. they always uh, the stars of those were always <laughs> the sort of woman that, uh, mm. uh, that Schwarzenegger Senior was thinking mm. of um, but anyway he joined the army it's in the t- I mean a fantastic story of dedication mm. yeah. for, uh, um, for Arnie joined the tank division and three hours of very tough training program but three hours afterwards uh, he would do all the training for the bodybuilding you know he wow. was really really into that and uh, there was a, a junior mr europe contest oh. on at stuttgart and uh, he went absent without leave because he was uh, oh. he was keen to go I- into that borrowed trunks off so he had no trunks or anything to take part he borrowed trunks and I don't want anybody borrowing me trunks no, you, don't want no, you wouldn't would you well he, he, you know interestingly enough he did describe the trunks as verschmutzt which um, <laughs> Andy who probably knows a bit of Yiddish would know <clears> what verschmutzt <throat> means yeah. well, <laughs> I don't not, say I do but <laughs> not, not ideal it's, it's not a compliment though no no, no it's, actually, it's not no. I don't um, you know, but uh, yeah. Martin, we are it's... sadly out of time. Oh, what a shame! Uh, I do apologise. More to say. You no are <laughs> you are back to, uh, in the early hours of uh, tomorrow morning, aren't you? I certainly am, and I'm going to have to get two new names for my Harold Cary Grant. I've got to get a new one for Audrey Tattoo and Billy Boston, ah. who uh, you almost got right. Ninety-two, I think. Yeah, so, well, yeah, so yeah old Billy Boston, what a player! Cheers, Fantastic Martin. Player. We Great will player. catch up with you next week. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, there's plenty of sport to watch this weekend, especially football, but you may fancy a break. Uh, and yes. so Mike Ward is on hand, Brighton supporting. He'll be watching the football uh, with some uh, non-sporting TV. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, we're going to kick off uh, with this evening. Um, Channel 5, Ian Hislop, the trains that change the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, uh, Ian Hislop basically presenting... A, a, Channel 4 loves train programmes, don't they? Do, Any, they? Anything yeah. to do with trains. and But Ian Hislop is a good sort of presenter of this kind of thing because mm. it's quite breezy and, you know, on face value, you think unless you're a train buff, you're not going to watch it. But actually, it's kind of intriguing because you forget you take so much of it for granted. So you get the story of how trains sort of changed the way we eat, you know, food transported all over the place and how when the trains started getting really, really fast, people were terrified. You know, they were horrified by the idea of this thing steaming through the, the countryside, uh, uh, you know, rattling along at sort of breakneck speed. And, mm. you know, they thought it was going to drive, people thought they would drive, be driven mad if they sat on a train traveling that fast because it's just, yeah. un, it was unheard of. So, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Apparently, the, people the, had mad conspiracy theories. That's crazy. Yeah, no, who'd have thought? <laughs> It. And the stuff that was on Twitter at the time was unbelievable. Mm. Fire-breathing devils, <laughs> which is what they were describing. It sounds like one of the teams of the 100, actually, doesn't it? It does, yeah. They're a good side. <laughs> they're very good. Fire-breathing <laughs> devils. They're doing quite it's well. It's Portillo and our old mate Chris Tarrant. They all love a train. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, Channel 5, 9pm. Uh,
p.m. Uh, over on BBC Two at nine p.m. You make a very good point, Mike. If you think Romesh, Bradley Walsh, yeah. and Anne Boleyn, they're probably on TV more than not. That there's anything wrong with that, but on <laughs> no. TV more than most. But I mean, it's, it's impressive for Anne, considering a woman <laughs> who had her head cut off. <laughs> yeah, that was a great that turned out to be a career ago. move. What it a great did, career move! There are a lot of documentaries uh, about uh, the Boleyns, or about her specifically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, my, his, my history knowledge is, is not brilliant, but this hmm. is a three-part thing. So it's kind of it's one of those things that sort of part talking heads, part dramatisation, which sort of works up to a point, but the dramatisation is a little bit uh, wooden at times. Right. But just just <clears throat> on the right side of too wooden, just on the right side of <laughs> just on the right side of horrible I, history. I, I never called Upton Upton Park the Berlin Ground. No, know. did anyone do that? Well, I think people well, do. Yeah, did. I mean, yeah. Ray Winstone came in and he was calling it. That. He was telling us about he was giving us the history of it. Did West Ham going to mention this evening at all? It, only only in the sort of mm. latter stages because mm. apparently. Um, 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 uh, Thomas Berlin was quite a fan. What, um, of West Ham? Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure, Mike? Are you, I, I, maybe I've got you, my facts wrong. You, I'm not brilliant at this you, stuff. Was you, you irons. Maybe he used to drink in the Green Man. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he did. Thomas yeah. Berlin. We don't know, but no. I mean, there are yeah. there are links. So that's BBC Two. Yeah. So uh, yes. Uh, also uh, BBC Four nine thirty. Uh, we've got the story of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, this was oh, this is on Donkeys years ago, but it's right. always fa- I mean, seventeen years ago this was first shown. But BBC Four, which is kind of the repeat channel now anyway, mm-hmm. so there's, there's still loads of interesting stuff out there. If you haven't seen it, it's Richard E. Grant who narrates it, and it's the story of that song, which I think it's nineteen seventy five, wasn't it? It came out and. Everybody was sort of bit sort of bewildered at first that anybody mm. should release a single and expect this to do well on the radio, you know, because obviously it was about three hours long, wasn't it? Yeah, and people just thought, well, that's not going to work. What a terrible idea. And the rest, as they say, is history. So that's, mm. uh, yeah, the BBC Four, 9.30. See, a quick one for, for uh, um, Sunday evening. Yes. Team GB homecoming concert. Yeah. Uh, Wembley Arena, lots of... I just wonder if the news earlier on today might have... Uh, might have brought everybody down a bit, but this is a lot of musicians celebrating a lot yeah, of success. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. It's basically celebrating the, you know, the, 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 the achievements with a chance to basically bring people together in a way that obviously circumstances hasn't hasn't permitted. Uh, I'm not sure English National Ballet on the lineup. I'm not sure I'd want to sit through that. But anyway, that's oh. not. I haven't won a medal. It's <laughs> not my heathen. choice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Seven thirty. Seven thirty. BBC One. A yeah. Secret World of Crisps. Yeah. This, the, is, this is what we oh, want. love. The one you recommended last week. Chocolate, good, chocolate. Yeah. very yeah. interesting. Yeah, so crisps it is this week. So obviously three main brands that we talked about, you know, yeah. uh, <clears> as <throat> ever. There's always three, isn't there? Something like that. Um, and yeah, it's talking about marketing ideas, how they brought back and then uh, then took away again the idea of having a little bag of salt in the in the pack. You remember those? Yeah, remember? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They brought yeah. it back, salt, didn't they? At one salt point. to your own, or you could just throw the crisps away and just eat the salt. If you <laughs> I wouldn't, don't advise that, kids. Not particularly good <laughs> Sorry. for you. And it's, it's actually more healthy in a sense that you then got the option to eat crisps without salt. Yeah, Although that wouldn't taste, taste that taste right. the same, though, did Andy? What a bleak <laughs> existence that would be. And on that bombshell, Mike, I'm sorry, we're out of time. We'll catch up with you next week. Cheers, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again on Monday. Andy Brassel will be here. We've got a lot of European leagues kicking off. We'll be pouring over yeah, all the It's going to be some funny results. results this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. So uh, we'll be back on Monday to reflect on all that. Have a great weekend. If you're going to a game after all this time, do enjoy at whatever level, and uh, we'll catch up with you on Monday. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 